Sick Day and its creators do not endorse or treat any medical conditions. Ask your doctor or midwife before trying any options mentioned in this episode. On this episode of Sick Day, we are discussing the logistics, emotions, finances, and choices associated with going to the doctor. Welcome to Sick Day Pod, a podcast for Spoonies and their allies. For more information about who or what a Spoonie is, be sure to check out episode one. So I'm Brenna. And I'm Michael. Welcome to the podcast about life is a Spoonie. Broadcasting from bed. This is Sick Day. Sometimes you don't have a choice. How many spoons are you broadcasting with today? Um, today I have that thing of I have all the spoons and it makes me feel like a little manic. I get that. Um, I don't know how many spoons I have because I think it's too many to count. That's great. I did just help my upstairs neighbors move a couch upstairs and then another couch upstairs and I feel fine. I already exercised and went to a store to get you a birthday gift and came over to report this podcast. So... I think we're having a good day. I also went to the West Side to look at a dog that I'm almost certainly adopting. Yeah. Except I don't know yet. He's beautiful. I love him. So I have an all black, beautiful German Shepherd named Luna Lovegood. And this dog is an all white German Shepherd named Luca. And we can't have a Luca and a Luna. No. They don't. I don't think the dogs can tell the difference. So I want to name him Hedwig or Zeno, like Xenophilius. That's cute. I think it should be a sun moon theme. Soul is nice. I think soul is nice, too. So we have spoons. Yeah, it's really nice. So where have we been? Well, we didn't have spoons. <laughs> right. We've each had like so much life stuff happen that prohibited us from doing this podcast. Yeah, unfortunately it was not planned and I really wish it was so that we didn't just like leave y'all off the hook. Yeah. And then on the hook, I mean, I don't know. And then I like was posting that we were going to post soon because I was editing an episode and then that episode like kind of went up in flames and I'm so sorry. Yeah, so we have a body positive episode that we want to release, but um Breno who's an an amazing editor, it's kind of too hard to edit. Yeah, cuz Are I'm, you an amazing editor? I don't know. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay at doing a very small podcast. <laughs> And this one, I think we were having trouble with like our levels and stuff. So if anyone out there feels like editing a lost episode. Yeah, you can definitely give it a try. Another thing that would make the episode better is it's about body positivity. But uh, Michael and I are both street sized. Well, I'm kind of like a cusper. But I really want to include people um, who are fat with chronic illness in the voices, not just ours. So that's also kind of an issue. But if you're a fat person with chronic illness... Uh, and you want to send us a voice memo about your experiences, that would be amazing. So we want to thank everyone that has rated and reviewed us on Apple Podcasts. Um, If you're enjoying the show, that is one of the best ways to support us. Um, In every episode, we will be thanking people who have left reviews on the Apple Podcast thing. Yeah, so today we want to thank Kira Jewell, Mech If Know, (laughs) and Luna's other papa. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's best to give us as confusing of names as possible, just generally. Just for funsies. Um, Another way you can support us is by joining our Patreon. Um, When you contribute, you'll have access to bonus content, including Spoonie-friendly recipes, and you'll also have access to our Facebook group where Spoonies can discuss everything Spoonie-related in a Spoonie-inclusive, amazing space. Mm -hmm. Um, We previously had – we just honestly were like – 
didn't know anything about like patreon mm-hmm. so we i think we set that too high so we actually don't have a lot of members but we're putting it down to one dollar a month because we really want like more people to join and we really want there to be a facebook group where everyone can just like chat and yeah. hang out and talk about chronic illness the thing that i've the best feedback i've gotten about the podcast is that people are like it feels like a sleepover and mm-hmm. i love that so much and they're like i wish i had a spooning community so i'm like yeah me too like i have brenna but brenna and i are just like a duo we're not a community we need like right more people. <laughs> So recently we want to thank Danny for joining our Patreon and we're so glad to have them as a member. So thank you so much. Today's episode is brought to you by wondering how many pets to adopt. Do you currently have zero to four pets and are wondering how many more you should get? Do you already have responsibilities like plant and human babies and your rent and you're not sure how much more you can take on? Then the crippling need to adopt another pet combined with the knowledge that you don't have the resources is right for you. Go to your local pet rescue today to just look and see what you come home with. If you're interested in advertising with us, hit up sickdaypod at gmail.com. All right, so today on Sick Day Pod, we are going to discuss the super broad topic of going to the doctor. Yeah. There's so much that goes into it. I feel like this should be like a series. We don't have a series plan, but maybe we should. I mean, this is a series. That's a good But we're going to do like a really broad. We have like, I have like a lot to say about not even the doctor's visit, but like how do you know when you have to go to the doctor? Which doctor do you go to? Right. And I feel like with my illness, even though it feels like it's killing me, it's actually not. So it's almost never like an ER situation. Right. But then I'm like, what is an ER situation? Yeah, I definitely understand not knowing when when to go to the doctor. And like, especially for those of us who are like trying everything in the book for our chronic illness. It's like, well, which which do I go to? Yeah. And so last year I had my first ever actual like life threatening medical event besides like getting strep throat because I guess like hundreds of years ago I might have died from that. (laughs) But like (laughs) like, there's a lot of things that have happened to me that like I could have died a hundred years ago. Right. Like just not going to the dentist, (laughs) being a woman, etc. Okay. So but (laughs) being a woman, (laughs) knowing how to read as a woman. Yeah. That's true. Dangerous. Having boobs. Yeah. Run. Run. <laughs> Get your pitchfork. Go to the ER. <laughs> okay, but in all seriousness, so last year, I didn't know that this was happening, because how do you know? But in the middle of the night, my gallbladder ruptured, and I had gallstones, and that's apparently one of the worst pains in the whole world. But so is endometriosis. So right. I was, like, on the bathroom floor crying, and my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, was like, we need to go to the ER. And I was like, I think it's just gas. <laughs> You're like, hello, old friend. (laughs) Debilitating pain. And I've never had, I don't think anyone's ever had gas that bad, but it's kind of the same feeling and that you get this like huge cramp in your abdomen. But this was like time, it was exact same feeling, but like times a million. Yeah. Um, And so that's what it feels like when your gallbladder explodes, except you're like screaming on the floor. And I just kept telling him like, no, I don't need to go to the ER. Like I have chronic illness. Right. They're just going to send me home. And then he was like, Michael, we're going to, he made me go to the ER. And then they were like, your gallbladder exploded. We need to have an emergency surgery. Yeah. So that was my first like actual, I need to go to the ER situation, but it's rarely that cut and dry. <laughs> no, it's so, honestly, I just lost a whole week on, do I have a UTI? Right. <laughs> I don't know. 
like I, I thought I felt the symptoms, but I have a thing where my anxiety sometimes pretends I have the symptoms of a UTI. Yeah. And then I do a, like a home test and it's like, you don't. And then right. I'm like, oh, I feel better. <laughs> right. But also I get a lot of false negatives. Mm. So I like know I have a UTI and then the doctor's like, you don't. And then a week later, I'm like, I have a kidney infection. And they're oh. like, why didn't you come in? And I was like, I did. I did. I did. Yeah. Well, yeah, I couldn't decide like if it was a real UTI or if it was like in my head, which yeah. is a real illness, but not a real UTI. Not a real UTI. It's in your body, but it's not in your urethra. <laughs> it's a real problem. Not urethral based. <laughs> For me, like something I'm really lucky is because I'm in midwifery school, I'm like slowly just taking care of almost all my um, gynecological care on my own. That's nice. Um, So my past couple of like weird vagina stuff. I just have the herbs to take care of it. And then if they don't work, of course I do like antibiotics, but um, yeah, so that's been great. Having um, Michael is also extremely convenient for me because yeah. I just text her all my vagina related problems. Yeah. And, and she, then- the answer is usually yogurt. <laughs> Surprisingly. So yeah, if you, if you have um, so yeast, a yeast infection candida, it, it, you can either kill it with like killing the yeast with sun, with boric acid, or with a bacteria, and um, usually kefir around your vulva and in your vagina like works really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also very cooling, and it feels nice. But it has to be like organic, no sugar, no flavors of any kind, because the sugar will feed the yeast, and then you'll have right. a massive yeast infection. <laughs> <laughs> if you give it like, so be careful. Not yo play. Read your labels. Read your labels. Yeah, like a hundred percent plain Greek yogurt. And I'm I'm pretty sure that a sugar free vegan option would work too, because it's really about the bacteria. There's vegan yogurt? Well, yeah, because it still has the bacteria in it, but it's not made of milk. I didn't know that. So it would be like coconut based. Oh. Well, as long as there's a bunch of bacteria. But if you're vegan, I would honestly just go for the boric acid. That'll like... Being able to like... Obviously, being able to be a midwife is not an option for everyone. (laughs) The solution to do I have a UTI is become a midwife. Right. Exactly. Um, But I do know a lot of like my holistic practitioners are spoonies themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of people get into this work. Yeah. Because of spooniness. That's true. Um, so, yeah, I, I know that especially with the endometriosis community, like whether or not to go to the ER is a huge topic. Because a mm-hmm. lot of the times we're not – most of the time we're not given adequate pain relief. And most of the time adequate pain relief is opioids. And there's also like this gaslighting that goes on with like chronic illness. And I, I don't have endometriosis. So you have to like let me know if it's the same there. But it's like your pain doesn't matter. And so you start to learn that – if I have pain, that doesn't mean I actually need anything. Right. Like this is just the state I'm supposed to be in. Right. And it makes you distrust like your own bodily signals. At least that's how I've felt in the past with other types of pain. Yeah. And I also actually, I saw my, there's so much gaslighting with endometriosis because it's menstrual related. And so something like really disgusting, I actually saw this amazing doctor recently who I love. um, And he told me that he's working with the FDA to try to get more drugs approved for endometriosis. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of drugs in Europe that we don't have here that you can get in Europe, etc. They're not like miracle drugs, but they're definitely sh- good options. Mm-hmm. D- better to have more options. Um, but he told me the FDA won't approve them because he, the FDA doesn't believe that women, and I mean, they say women, I know that not all women get periods, but um, women can't actually tell when they're in pain. So how would they know if they need the medication? So now my doctor is doing a study, which I'm going to sign up for, just about, like, women talking about their period pain. 
to like prove to the FDA that we have period pain. So it's not even gaslighting. Gaslighting would be like a pat on the head. This is like you're beyond. This is you don't exist and you don't have the agency to exist and you actually don't know what pain is and you're a dumb lady. Right. So if you hear that all your life and you are in excruciating pain, you might just be like, this is just me. Well, I thought for a while that like, cause everyone kept telling me like periods aren't that bad mm-hmm. when I was little, like your period shouldn't hurt that much. You only mm-hmm. bleed like for a few days. And so I was just like, I guess I'm just really bad at dealing with pain. Oh my gosh. I'm, I guess I'm just really have like a low pain tolerance, but that's not, I guess I'm just whiny. Yeah. Oh, not true. No, you're not whiny if you have pain. Yeah. So the next question we have is like, how do you even choose a doctor? Yeah. And I don't know because you wrote this. Do you mean like, how do you choose when you know you want to go to the doctor? Like, how do you choose a good one? Or is this like, which doctor do I go to? No, like, which doctor do you choose? (coughs) Like, for me, I have Kaiser. And then I see a bunch of holistic practitioners. So I like, I'm always just like, what, like, and I I know that with practically every person who's a Spoonie, we only have so much financial resources. Right. So like, going to a new doctor is a huge decision. Mm Because you're like, is this person going to help me? And Mm -hmm. usually they don't so it's like a waste of money and like do you feel the same way oh yeah and I also have like I have like my insurance doctors Mm -hmm. who I know I don't know very well because I just switched my insurance and I'm like do I go to them or do I like spend a hundred to two hundred dollars on somebody I trust and just go there like there's always that weighted decision because for me the doctors that I have built strong relationships with a lot of them don't accept insurance. Yeah. So there's this like balance of do I like risk it and go to somebody who I don't know very well or do I like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Just pay the money. And like with my psychiatrist, he doesn't accept um, insurance. Yeah. But he's so wonderful that I'm, I feel like, but I feel like so we he's see, not even beat like unmatchable. We see the same psychiatrist, <laughs> and he's so amazing. But I feel like for me, because I own my own business, like it's a time, and for everyone that literally works, it's like an opportunity cost with my psychiatrist because yeah. um, I could text him and get a response immediately back, or I could make an appointment and see my doctor in two weeks and miss work, and it's like I I just need to spend a hundred bucks to like have just a go go just to go out of pocket because, and that's not a resource everyone has, but like if you're looking at like the economics it's cheaper for me to go to a convenient amazing person than it is to get like an insurance referral and then go see this and then do this and then like not hear back and then like go in a waiting room and like and then get a medication that doesn't agree with you and then like start the process over yeah yeah and my psychiatrist (laughs) is so great like I needed just to touch base because I haven't seen him in a while and I don't want to drive far to see him so we just skyped yesterday that's amazing and he answered all my questions my favorite thing about him is that when I first started a new medication I could just text him him like what I was feeling yeah and he would text me back like this is normal you can take like this much Advil like whatever yeah and like was totally comforting if it persists this long like give me a call oh and recently oh and I didn't even tell you this Brenna so I'm gonna get like a genuine reaction okay so I was too anxious to go to the pharmacist myself to get pain meds for my endometriosis and because the pharmacist is always like really shitty to me so Brenna came with me (laughs) hooray it was super fun (laughs) And so um, I go to the pharmacist and I'm asking her, like, 
can I mix this with Advil? Like how many should I take? What's the maximum I can take? And she was like, you're fine with the minimum dose. And I was like, I'm not, I need to take both of these together. And she was like, no, that's not, that's for like serious pain. And I was like, I'm in serious pain. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. And she wouldn't answer my question. She was just confused. She was like, why would you need more than this? And I was like, because I do, that's why I have multiple (sighs) prescriptions. And so I just got so frustrated and sad. I was just like, I'm not going to get the care or the answer I need out of this pharmacist so then I texted my psychiatrist (gasps) and he answered and he answered the pet questions on pain meds which is not my relationship with him has nothing to do with painkillers she's so wonderful but I was like can I take this can I mix them what's the maximum dose what should I be careful of and he like gave me all the answers if you're in the LA area and you need a good psychiatrist like DM us yeah we really love him he was like didn't you didn't the pharmacist answer these questions and I was like no and he was like okay I'll classic (laughs) Classic. classic yeah it's kind of like in the media there's all and this is also true but there's always like that guilt around plan b getting it from your pharmacist yeah i've actually never gotten shit from a pharmacist for plan b maybe just because i'm in la but i always get shit for pain meds yeah pharmacist is like plan b psh, don't care Damn. right and i stock up too because of the government so i always have plan b so i like <laughs> i like a lot of it <laughs> she's a plan b prepper i know i'm a plan b prepper so i just have it for friends for me for like anyone that needs plan b i always have it in stock um that's why i have this experience so much (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i i don't know honestly when it comes to how to choose a doctor i really don't trust my own um body telling me what i need and that's a relationship like i'm working on like all the time but like for example with the uti i truly didn't know like if this pain was like caused by my body or caused by like my nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my nervous system, my bottom, my body, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So I'm trying to decide, do I go to urgent care? Do I go to my like therapist? Yeah. Do I go to my psychiatrist? Yeah. <laughs> do you go to your acupuncturist? Yeah. Who, who do I go to? So I ended up going to all three because I, I went to urgent care and they were like, it, it comes back it came back negative uh-huh. but they like put me on the antibiotics anyway uh-huh. which it was fine with me yeah um but then like i went to my psychiatrist and he was like you should definitely go to your doctor <laughs> <laughs> about your uti <laughs> <laughs> i mean that wasn't the only reason i was there but i don't know it's so i feel like i'm constantly in this loop of like waiting on more information and never getting the information i need and then just like doing my best yeah totally okay so another question I have is like so I know that I see so I have I I fully believe in eastern and western medicine of Mm -hmm. course not all of both Mm -hmm. um but I have like I'm a midwife who like loves science I believe in like whatever I believe in medicine of both kinds but I also know that like the um western medicine has failed me in so many ways Mm -hmm. um and also has helped me in so many ways. Right. So it's just very confusing when I have something. I'm like, which is the one I'm going to use for this? Totally. And sometimes. Who, who do I trust? Right. Right. And if I like have severe strep throat, if I like have the early stages of strep throat, I'll like do my herbs and see if it goes away. And if not, I'll go get antibiotics. And that's right. kind of an easy thing for me to figure out because it's like tangible. Like strep throat is a tangible thing. Mm-hmm. But like with endo and like fibro, it's like what. Well, fibro's <laughs> a cluster of like twenty bizarre symptoms. So, like, right, t- dude, I the symptoms. Where of, do you start? The symptoms of fibro are like sleepiness, sadness, yeah, 
ouchie. So I'm like, do I go to a mattress store? Yeah. Do you go to a... <laughs> no, literally. I remember one time I got a new mattress and I was like, do I have fibro or do I have a bad mattress? And I was like, no, I really have fibro. Like, <laughs> like you know, it's really... There's so many symptoms like nausea, like dizziness, like anxiety, depression. Like, yeah, those are not the same doctor. No, they're not. The problem for me is like... um my midwife who I see outside of my insurance network and my psychiatrist who I see outside of my insurance network, they both respond usually within like an hour. Um, and if I go to the doctor, it usually takes like two weeks to get to an appointment. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I almost never go to the doctor. It's either like urgent care Mm -hmm. or holistic stuff. Mm -hmm. It's also slow moving. Right. I, I find that the balance is like always evolving for me and my um, like schemas around different symptoms I have and illness I have are always shifting based on what kind of medicine I've been like trying recently, what's been working recently. Like yeah. if you asked me, you know, like a few years ago, what was working for me, it's something completely different than what I what's is working for me now. Something I'm struggling with currently is, like, when do you give up on a treatment? Yeah. And at what point? I mean, for me, if the side effects of the treatment way are way worse than the chronic illness, then for me, that's, like, giving it up. But in my experience with endo, it's, like, the side effects from treatments are kind of just as bad as endo, but different. <laughs> so your it's, poison. it's, like, what do you want? And then I'm, like, well, then is it working? Right. And it's, like, when do I abandon this? Or they just don't work. Most of them just don't do anything. Yeah. It's hard to know. I'm actually like um, dealing with that right now because I followed a diet from an acupuncturist for a long time that worked to yeah, control my symptoms. But my body has been changing so much. I'm kind of curious like whether or not that diet is still something that I need to be doing slash yeah. working for me at all. Yeah. So. Diets are so hard too because. Yeah allergies can show up like weeks later to yeah so it's not like I can taste it now and then like see what happens if you have a severe allergy obviously it's like immediate but for me like I french fries like two weeks ago and I got a rash this week right and if I hadn't actually known that that's a allergy there's like no way that you could figure that out on your own right yeah I'm not talking about like anaphylaxis I'm talking about like intolerances intolerances yeah like GI issues or like skin issues so, yeah, what do you do when your doctors disagree? Well, going off this acupuncture story, I told um, my therapist about the diet. Yeah. And one is also an acupuncturist. Right? Yeah. 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 So different acupuncturist. Yeah. Different acupuncturist. But she's educated in Chinese medicine. Like she knows what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, and she <laughs> I told her that I don't eat leafy greens because of this diet from my other acupuncturist that yeah. was working for me and she is like a really level-headed person who always like let's like make space for you to make your decisions like yeah. she never gives me direct advice and she was like that makes me really mad I want to kick your acupuncturist <laughs> we never take someone off leafy greens ever See, I just disagree with that because of what I know about anthropology. Like some groups of people had zero access to leafy greens and completely thrived. Right. Like the Inuits. Also, you're not an Inuit. You're Irish. So that doesn't really work. The Irish eat cabbage like crazy and have historically. Right. So potatoes are actually new to the Irish, but cabbage is not. 
So as you can see, everything's confusing. Yeah, it's confusing. <laughs> and I'm always and I'm always battling like, am I going to put on my midwife brain, my science brain, which isn't mutually exclusive, um, my anthropology brain, which is like looking at things from the outside in and like right. using historical evolution to like inform my decisions. And I'm always like, what, which is the brain? Yeah, it's really hard. I have. Okay, I had a weird... So my my therapist is different from Brenna's. We don't all do... We do most of the same stuff. <laughs> most of the same pajamas, but we actually see a different therapist. But my my therapist um, brought something up a few months ago, and I got pissed. Mm-hmm. So I thought the idea was ridiculous. Okay. And then she, like, brought it up again because... And she never gives me advice, but she was like, I've been thinking about this for weeks, and I've been waiting for a good time to bring it up, and I, like, think this is the time to bring it up. Okay. So, like, I'm very sensitive around talking about my pain with people and providers because they always, like, recommend, like, have you tried Advil in a hot water bottle? And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) okay. Like, tell that to someone having a heart attack. Right. (laughs) It's just like that. Um. And I always just get this, like, very dismissive advice. Or it's, like, or I get it on the other end, like, have you tried essential oils? Right. Um, I have tried essential oils. Um, if I am feeling sad, maybe some lavender will help me smell nice. But it's not going to cure my, like, extensive stage three endometriosis. Right. Um, no matter how much essential oils or how good. And then people are always, like, but mine are better quality. And I'm, like, bitch, please. <laughs> Your essential oils are not curing my... Stage three endometriosis. Anyway, so a couple months ago, my acupuncture, my, sorry, my therapist recommended homeopathy. Really? Yeah. And my therapist is also really level-headed, never recommends things, and is really like evidence and science-based. And I always thought homeopathy was like ridiculous and really stupid and historically just doesn't work. Okay. Um, And she told me that I'm right about that in terms of like if you go to Whole Foods and like buy homeopathy thingies. Okay. Um, and please at us if you like disagree about homeopathy. This is like my personal experience in research. Um, Michael's homeopathy journey. Michael's homeopathy journey. Yeah. <laughs> but um, she recommended it again and she was kind of like, I didn't want to bring this up because I didn't want you to think I was dismissing your pain because I'm not. And I, I think I just maybe trust her more and I right. know she's not. But she was like, I really want you to see this specific homeopath really yeah did you go not yet I have her number wow and I thought and Drew is always my husband is so scientific like he hates um <laughs> astrology and stuff he's like triggered by astrology yeah I mean, <laughs> so it's my boyfriend it's funny because like I was a witch when he met me and I am now and nothing's changed and yeah. he's I'm like you know who you married but he actually was like, if your therapist recommends homeopathy, like maybe you should try it. And I was like, because he trusts your therapist too. Yeah, but I was like, fuck, maybe I should try it. That's really wild. I'm curious about this. But also, I mean, it sounds like people go to an acupuncturist once and they have a 20 minute appointment and they say it doesn't help. And I tell them to go to like an acupuncturist that does like a two and a half hour intake and takes your blood pressure and does right. all these things. And that's what my therapist said this homeopath is like. She like looks at whole body things and she doesn't just like hand you a remedy. Okay. From like You can't just like select your own at Whole Foods. No, no, no. It's like a very specific process. You can't be like, I want a flat tummy. I'll take these eucalyptus drops. Yeah. (laughs) But in homeopathy, it's not even, it would be like eucalyptus drops diluted by uh, by 10,000. It's water. Yeah. (laughs) Take this water. Take this water and someone burp eucalyptus on it. (laughs) 
We're going to get some angry homeopath. I know. Well, I, educate I, us. I but don't know. Maybe I'm no. mistaken. I'm going to go see this homeopath. I don't know. Educate us. Don't. I don't know. I always thought homeopathy was. I always thought that acupuncture was legitimate and like really important and that homeopathy was just totally stupid. Yeah, I truly have no. There's so many things like this where I just cannot form an opinion based on like I don't have enough evidence. And I've also seen like the ways that like valid alternative medicines have been pushed out of society and blacklisted when they shouldn't have been. Right. So there's just like you can't judge something based off of like stigma. So I don't know. I'll update you guys after I go to this homeopath. So we have only been talking about like even choosing what type of doctor to go to. But then once you've done that, if you don't already have somebody that you trust, it can be like, a really long, hard process to find somebody yeah. that you trust. And for me, it's always been referrals. Like my absolute favorite people mm-hmm. have always been referrals. Um, but I know that you have a lot of experience advocating for people in the health world. So I was wondering if you have any like just tips for our listeners about choosing a provider. Yeah. So the most concerning thing I hear, and this is really specific to my birth doula practice Mm -hmm. but I think it applies to all like reasons to go see a doctor is I'll be like what do you think of your doctor and the clients will say um he's so charming ah or um I love how like trendy her office is or like just something that doesn't have anything to do with their care and so if someone says my doctor is so charming that's fine but what does that have to do with anything that's happening in your uterus. I get your point, but I just want to throw out there that I think charming is a huge red flag. It is for me too. <laughs> I think charming means like you're probably a psychopath. You're probably a rapist. You're probably a rapist. Yeah. Just, I don't know why. This like has you opened a c- door for me, I'm moving. You're probably started. <laughs> Changing my phone number. <laughs> right. You probably started like a startup where you just like stole millions of dollars and like didn't do anything. Okay. We're getting off track. But if the first thing you think about when someone brings up your doctor is that it is something that has nothing to do with your health. I would encourage you to examine like how they're actually treating you and what you're actually getting out of the appointments. Yeah. Um, so not everyone has the luxury of choosing doctors either because of insurance restrictions or for example, um, like in Los Angeles, there's a lot of OBGYNs. If you go, um, how far is like Temecula? Uh, I don't know, like a hundred miles, hundred miles I don't south, know. um, which is also very close to San Diego. So, if you go to Temecula, which is near two of the biggest cities in the United States, there's actually hardly any doctors. Yeah. It's just a doctor desert. And so if you don't have the means to drive to San Diego or to Los Angeles, you just don't get to see a doctor. Right. Um, so there's both like a lack of good care providers, a lack of specialized care providers when it comes to chronic illness, especially like women's issues. And then there's just like doctors don't exist. Yeah. I think that's like, like we said in the first episode, huge privilege that we're like in a metropolitan area. Yeah. Because I mean, a lot of people, especially in a small town, isn't there just like one doctor? Yeah. And also like, (laughs) um, and I, I, this is kind of off topic, but like, uh, in Texas, I think there's one Planned Parenthood. Um, which is really important for reproductive and abortion resources. But some people use that as their primary care physician and there's no doctors for like hundreds of miles. Oh, wow. Like they've noticed when they were closing Planned Parenthoods in some states that like people who go there to get their like blood sugar and um, blood pressure checked actually have like nowhere else to go. That makes sense. Um, So there's just a lack of doctors. 
Yeah, because if sense. you spend all this money to get an amazing degree, why are you going to move to a super rural area? You're not. You want to live in like Austin and New York and Chicago yeah. and those places, right? Especially if you want to like do more research or like make a name, right? 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 Yeah. So there's, of course, there's insurance restrictions because our country has decided that um, you that you if you don't put out a certain amount of economic profit, then you don't deserve to live. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she summed it up real quick, guys. Yeah. She's got it. Um, so there's that. And then, of course, there's um, do you need to find a babysitter for your kids? Right. Do you have a car? There's like so many things. That being said, um, I highly encourage you to choose a doctor that, um, first of all, takes you very seriously. Yeah. Um, also, equally as important, uses informed consent in all decisions. Um, and you can look for little red flags. So when a doctor comes in and he says, so I'm going to do this today. Um, that's very different from saying like, how would it be if we tried this? I think you should maybe even explain informed consent. So informed consent, um, I always say informed consent and informed refusal because a lot of the times, um, informed consent isn't informed because you actually don't know what would happen if you did nothing. So, um, informed consent is like, I have this condition, um, this is the drug you're recommending and these are all of the side effects. Mm-hmm. Um, informed refusal is what would happen if I did nothing or I didn't go down this specific path. Interesting. Um, and informed consent and informed refusal are really important. And that goes for every time someone touches you or like does anything. Right. Um, and a lot of the times doctors do things out of um, ritual mm-hmm. and schedule not on act, actual need. So for example, if you're someone that's very triggered by pelvic or vaginal exams, um, ask your doctor why you're getting one. And the answer might just be like, I always do that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying that that doctor has like any bad intent, although they might um, be like, well, if I refuse this, what will happen? And they might be like, nothing. Right. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. I think for me, like, the, some of the doctors that I've started seeing recently, like the psychiatrist we keep talking about, mm-hmm. he has shown me a level of care that I honestly did not know was like even possible. Yeah, same. Like somebody that you can just like check in with and ask your questions anytime you because he you text him. You yeah, can text him. And he starts off with like, "What can I do for you today?" And he always ends with, "Have I answered all of your questions?" Yes. Yeah, that's totally true. Yeah. And I also love that he gives me like options and lets me decide like based on the information. Like he'll yeah. make a suggestion, but yeah. And there's so much going on with like um, psychiatry in terms of your other um, doctors' recommendations and pain management. And you just really need someone who's willing to collaborate with you and with other care providers. Yeah. Um, and it's really frustrating because a lot of the time I'll be like, this doctor likes this, and then my this person doesn't like that, and they, you know, I. <laughs> It's almost like you might have guilt to one of them. <laughs> if, if you're feeling guilty towards your doctor, then there's some weird social, like, that's inequality thing that's going on that you yeah. should look into. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, see if you have, like, a yeah, a good relationship. Wait, what were the red flags you were going to point out? Oh, if they just don't use informed consent? Yeah, and no, but the biggest red flag is just the language they use when you walk in. Oh, right. So it's like, today we're going to do this. Today right. we're going to weigh you and then we're going to take your blood pressure. And um, a big thing is I don't have an eating disorder, but a lot of people being weighed is really triggering and also not important. Oh, that's true. So if you're just going in for antibiotics, they might weigh you. Yeah. You could be like, no, thanks. 
I it literally just clicked that you could say no to being weighed. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be weighed. <laughs> and another thing is my friend did recently who has an eating disorder. They told me that instead of facing the scale, you can just turn the other way. What? Yeah. And you can just be like, I don't want to know my weight. So you can either not be weighed. You could be weighed or you could be like, I don't want you to tell me my weight. And they'll be like, okay. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, weight is important if they're like, this medication is... So, like, if you ask why am I being weighed, they might be like, well, we want to calibrate your medication. Okay, well, that's something to take into consideration. Right. But if the answer is we weigh everybody and you have an eating disorder and being weighed is really triggering, then don't get weighed. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. Um, we're trained not to question people in white coats, and you can. Yeah, that white coat syndrome. Yeah. It always makes me crazy because I have had a lot of doctors, like, insinuate stuff but I have anxiety, so that's just, like, really mean. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's cancer, but we don't know until right. you get your MRI in four weeks. And you're I, like, I have to live with four weeks thinking I might have cancer, even though there's, like, a 1 in 1,000% chance. Right. But, yeah, you can question everything from the beginning. Um, and you can choose, like, hey, I'm right-handed. Can you put my blood pressure cuff on the left hand? Amazing. There's lots of questions you can ask. And usually the care providers are like, oh, yeah, sure. Right. Yeah, you don't have to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, which is like honestly a revelation. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and so it's just even the small things that you're like, well, I have to get weighed when I go to the doctor. You literally don't. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, when you're choosing a doctor, it, just reflect on your relationship with them. And if another, you have the opportunity. Obviously. And another red flag is like if your doctor can't explain to you why you need something, but also refuses not to do it. Like that's a really big red flag like if you're if you are like I do not want to be weighed because I have an eating disorder and that's in my chart and they go well we have to weigh you well why Mm -hmm. and if they can give you a reason and you collaborate on that together and you decide it's the best choice then fine but if they won't care for you just because you refuse to get weighed that's like a big if it's happening over something that small that's a pretty big red flag yeah that makes sense yeah okay well is that it for the body I think so. I have so much more to say, but I feel like pelvic exams is like a whole episode. Yeah. Um, I'm teaching sex ed in June, so sign up for that. Yeah. <laughs> You'll get two days of Michael talking about informed consent in, in gynecology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's so many different ways that we could go into this in more detail, and we probably oh, will. Another thing that we've mentioned before that's so important. What? Is it so fucking annoying when you need to get a doctor's note from work, but <sighs> a doctor's note takes like $200 and all your spoons and all your transportation and probably your friend's help. Yeah. And also like your fibromyalgia is not going to kill you. So you're going to go to the doctor and doctors will be like, you have fibromyalgia. Goodbye. I know. So ridiculous. So like making me go to the doctor when I don't have to is annoying. And that was the point. The whole that. like with chronic illness and then when you miss something important and then you need a doctor's note, it's like so frustrating because I'm not coming to work because I don't have any spoons. So setting me the task of like going to making an appointment, like right. getting myself there. So ridiculous. Well, it also, it also really like, um, it's something it's really ableist because it implies that the only reason you would go for the doctor is for something like the doctor can fix. Yeah, that's totally true. Yeah. So obviously if I have like a really bad case of like strap or something, or I have to miss work to like I don't know, get a vaccine or like an x-ray. Mm -hmm. Then you could be like, I had to get this x-ray. But there's no reason for me to go to the doctor when I have a ton of pelvic pain. Yeah. I just have to pay out of pocket for the doctor's note. Yeah. 
But if I can't go to work, I probably can't make it to the doctor either. Exactly. Yeah, if I had the spoons, I would be there. Right. Anyway. I think that's it for the body. Okay. Should we move on? Yeah. All right. So now it's time for Let's Check Our Vitals, where we talk about our spoony wins and spoony fails. Michael, did you have any wins recently? Should we do fails first so wins make us feel better? Okay, yeah. So <laughs> fails. My spoony fail this week is I went to the doctor with one disease and I came back with two. Womp womp. <laughs> not funny. Sorry, not funny. <laughs> it's really not funny though i'm laughing too but yeah so <laughs> i thought i had endometriosis which is correct but they're like yeah the reason everything's so bad though is because you also have adenomyosis which is way shittier than endometriosis or not i don't know and so that sucks but my spoony win is i started midwifery school <laughs> that's a good win and i don't know if this is a win or fail but i'm seriously considering adopting this other dogs so we'll see That's i'll let win. you know next time what happened and if it was a winner of fail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right so it's time for what's your prescription and we have a question today from brianna how do you navigate explaining to family and friends that you're actually in pain when you don't quote look sick this is the question of all questions this is why we made a podcast right um Honestly, for me, with family, it's one thing because a lot of, you know, like you, sometimes you can't cut your family out. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to friends, if they don't understand that, like, I have chronic illness and they don't act sympathetic towards that and empathetic and they don't respect my boundaries and stuff like that. I think our relationship ends. Well, honestly, it has to end because yeah. I'll just be seen as like a really unreliable friend. I'll be seen as unreliable, but also I don't want your judgment. Yeah. So I I like I cannot take that anymore. Having people around me doubt me. Yeah. Or, or doubt what I'm doing as treatment or anybody who's not supportive. I cannot take it. I don't want your judgment. I'm it's unfortunately relationship is on the down yeah and it, it's just really unfortunate with family I know that a lot of people just don't understand pain and they're just like why don't you just exercise or like why don't you just eat like yeah. I do and then you'll feel better and that's just not true and I know that there's not a lot we can do with our families in that way I mean it's I'm not making this as an equation but it's kind of like when you have racist family members and you explain it and explain it and explain it and explain it and, and then it, they're yeah. like it's just they just don't get it. Yeah, you just kind of have to set boundaries with them. Yeah. I think boundaries is key here, actually. Yeah. I think the answer is you can't change. I mean, maybe you can change their opinion. I'm assuming you've already tried that, mm -hmm. right? If you value the relationship. But if it's causing you harm, you might just have to set boundaries to protect yourself. Yeah. And if you're an ally or have spoony friends, which everyone that's listening to this podcast has spoony friends or is a spoony or is an ally. Um, something that happened. So when I got this diagnosis, something that people in my life did that I didn't expect that was so helpful is I was just so sad and I just really didn't want to talk about it. And my mom and my therapist and another friend of mine were like, okay, I'm going to look it up so you don't have to explain it. Oh, that's really nice. And that was really nice. Oh. And then they were kind of like, 
we d- they didn't really bring it up much again, but they were just kind of like, I'm so sorry, that really sucks. But I didn't have to be like, adenomyosis affects blank percent people in the universe and, <laughs> and there are no cures. Here's blah, a diagram. Blah, blah, blah. Here's a diagram, <laughs> right. And so they were just like, I don't want you to have to explain this to everyone you talk to. So yeah. I'll just look it up. That's really wonderful. I'm wondering if some family members would like respond in like, I, I don't know if this is true, in like an email form to be like, just so you know, like this is what I'm struggling with. Here are some links. Like I would love if you could like kind of research it. I think communication is key also. Like we also have a responsibility be- because we don't look sick. We have to communicate about that what's we going are on sick. with us. Yeah. Not, I don't know if responsibility is the right word. Yeah. But especially like in relationships, you do have to give them information or they're going to assume that nothing's wrong. Right. So once you've done that, if they're not reciprocating, then you might need to set some boundaries. But yeah, I think also sometimes communicating is like really clear. I mean, really helpful. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they could look it up themselves, like great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if it's triggering, you don't want to talk about it. Yeah. You're sad. Great. But I have found that for people who don't understand, I usually, uh, or they, they like, they want to empathize with me because they love me, but they like truly don't understand. Yeah. I will um, explain it to them kind of vividly. Yeah. And I think that's someone, someone that loves you, but doesn't understand is someone that it might be worth the spoons to educate them on. Right. Someone who's just consistently gaslighting you. Right. Is probably just the person you need to set boundaries with. Right. So you got to just examine the relationship. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So if you have a question, we need more questions because... Wait, did we talk about how it's season two now? No, we didn't. Oh, shit. (laughs) So we just like, we meaning I, but then Brenna was like, yeah, that works. Made the decision to just be like, this is season two. And on Google Docs, I titled it season two, episode 204. (laughs) But I have dyscalculia, which is like number dyslexia. And so I can't even explain the rationale behind season two, episode 204. But we're in season two now, friends. Brenna will decide how it shows up in your feed because I can't be responsible. (laughs) (laughs) Season two, everyone. Welcome. So we're going to be coming out with a lot more episodes because we're in season two. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So if you have a question, we need your questions. Send us an email or voice memo at sickdaypod at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram or Twitter with at sickdaypod. Now it's time for this segment, Something Compelling and Something Easy, where we talk about what's the best shows to stream because Spoonies need TV. (laughs) So here's the media we've been watching. So Something Easy for me is Queer Eye. I love the new season. I absolutely love following Jonathan Van Ness on Instagram. I think he's at JVN because he's so wholesome. He's honestly, everyone is so wholesome. Yeah. And I love the fact that gay and wholesome can be like synonymous. Yeah. That's amazing. Great. I mean, not for everyone, obviously, but then don't listen to our podcast. But um, <laughs> if you think gayness isn't wholesome, get out of get here. Get out of here. Gayness is the most wholesome thing on the planet. Yeah, get out of town. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> JVN's Instagram is so freaking great. He's always, like, showing his gymnastics and, like, his um, his uh, figure skating videos. Mm-hmm. And it's always, like, a month ago I was like this, and now I can do, like, a spin. And it's just so wholesome and real. Yeah, and the, like, small – the glorification of the progression. I love that. It's a huge, like, trend in teaching right now. Yes. Oh, that's nice. It's, like, rewarding the, like, process. Yeah. It's called growth mindset. 
you, you just reward growth. Yeah. And when I post like a poll video on Instagram, I only post ones that are really good. Right. I don't post like the 50 million where I'm like falling. <laughs> but Jonathan does. And it's cute. And he's like, today I did a flip like without a spotter or right. like it's just great. So shout out to JVN and all of Queer Eye. I think it's something easy to watch. Brenna does not. I don't agree. I think it like you would assume it's something easy because they are so like wholesome and fun. Yeah. But I think that what makes the show so quality is that it feels very real and their impact on people's lives feels very real and the people are very genuine. Yeah. So I find it kind of emotionally exhausting, honestly, to watch Queer Eye. Um, it's also rewarding. Yeah. But I would say for me, it's not an easy watch. Well, it is for me. It's an emotional watch. But honestly, you know what Queer Eye is. Like, <laughs> choose it or don't. <laughs> so something really compelling. Um, well, so season one of Killing Eve is my favorite show. Um, and season two is coming up. I haven't seen the first episode yet. I need to immediately. Yeah. Um, Game of Thrones is coming back. We're recording this the Saturday before Game of Thrones is coming back. So, so there's this really cool new show. It's on HBO. It's kind of like a little drama-y, <laughs> a little magic-y, but like you don't really know why. There's lots of braids. There's a lot of braids. There's some sex scenes. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a hit, but season seven is starting and <laughs> we highly recommend Game of Thrones. If you can handle like gratuitous violence, rape scenes, two to three dragons. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. Two to three dragons. Two to three dragons. We're not sure. Um, okay. Incest, the work. So yeah, Game of Thrones is coming back. You already know that. That's definitely not easy. Yeah. And it's not easy. Burning um, children at the stake. No thanks. You know what's not easy for me about Game of Thrones, though? And it makes Drew, like, absolutely crazy. What? And so if people have the same skin color and hair color, I can't tell them apart. Oh, yeah. And so, and there's no, like, POC on Game of Thrones, so it's all white people. Except Miss and Day, but that's one Correct. person. There's not no B POC on Game of Thrones, but there's not enough POC on Game of Thrones. Right. Miss and Day also is the best. But, like, when I first started watching Game of Thrones, like, John and what's his brother... John. Rob 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 Stark and John I couldn't tell them apart it's hard it's so hard <laughs> and I like, also have this problem <laughs> I know and then I could tell like Cersei apart from like Khaleesi and so but like I just so many of them are like white people with brown hair I get very confused and so for me that's the something hard part of Game of Thrones no it really is, is that, like who is that no, I have that. Pro and it has so many characters. <laughs> Obviously, now I know who Jon Snow is. But when he was less important in the beginning, I got very confused. Honestly, if I didn't have my boyfriend who just has like a freak memory to like explain it every time. But also like both of our partners have amazing memories, but they both <laughs> consume so much more Game of Thrones media than we do. Right. Like Drew listens to like all the podcasts around it. Okay. And like After the Thrones and Binge Mode. And okay. I don't I don't do the. Matt does this more of a study. Yeah. Than just Matt does watch. the book version and my husband does the like. He has Game of Thrones books. He does? Yeah. Oh, okay. Whatever. <laughs> so something else compelling that's um, currently in season is the act. Um, that is definitely all the trigger warnings. Yeah. For the act. All of them. Especially if you have like medical trauma and stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is not really for this audience. <laughs> Basically, it's about um, this young woman who you find out who looks like 12, but you find out she's like 22. True story. Whose mom um, suffers from Munchausen by proxy, which means that she 
either is making her child sick or is pretending her child is sick. Um, right. But that's Munchausen's by proxy. In this case, she's making her child sick mm-hmm. and pretending. Um, and then the daughter murders the mom, which is not a spoiler. No. Because everyone it's knows It's a famous that. news it's story. It's a famous news story. And it ha- in the first episode, they're like, the mom is murdered. Who did it? Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's not a not a spoiler yeah it's the story of gypsy rose blanchard if you've heard of her from uh mommy dead and dearest the hbo doc which is also great honestly i i like i think the hbo doc is less triggering yeah i totally so if you're into true crime Mm -hmm. like we are i would do the doc over the show but if you're really into true crime like we are we do both I mean, I don't personally find it triggering, but it is a disturbing show. That's true. It is. It's because none of the medical trauma is stuff that I've been through. Right. Yeah. Right. And then one more is uh, Fosse Verdon, which is a new show on FX about this, like, famous Broadway duo that is pretty fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. I've seen the first episode, and basically it was just, like, close-ups of like cabaret songs and like epic singing and like sexy ladies doing like weird jazz isolations. And if that's your thing and you know what I'm saying, it's Brenna's you'll thing. love it. She's a theater nerd. Shh. Everyone knows it. She has a beautiful voice too. So if you're into that, um, but also doesn't it take a whole spoon to like log into the FX app? Yes. <laughs> and here's the thing. If you've got Roku, <laughs> the first time you push play, it'll, crash after the commercials so you have to push it a second time and then it works okay that's a good tip if you have a tv (laughs) if you're over 32 and you have a tv then just watch it on fx (laughs) if you don't and you have a roku then it might crash yeah but just keep just persevere yeah you can do is it worth it yeah okay well also fx has a ton of good shows better things is on there too yeah i want to watch it I really like Better Things also. That's another compelling. With Pamela Adlon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's um, all 12 of our <laughs> recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> so um, now it's time for the segment, try something or don't. So today we're going to talk about castor oil. All right. So castor oil comes from um, the tree Ricinus communis, which is native to California. Why do you know that? Because I took marine biology. Oh, right. And ricin from Breaking Bad. And ricin from Breaking Bad. Yeah. So this is not a poison. You can ingest it, but it will give you diarrhea if you ingest it. But it's not going to kill you. It's a poison, just not a deadly poison. And it comes from it's, it comes from a tree where it's other parts of the tree are poisonous, but this part like isn't. Okay. Um, I think. Seems like a close call. It's a, it's Don't ingest it. <laughs> Like, you'll just get diarrhea, not be poisoned. So one of the main uses of castor oil is it's a laxative. Um, That's also the reason it kickstarts labor. So basically, your uterus is next to your large intestine, which is your pooper in, Mm -hmm. like, layman's terms. (laughs) (laughs) So when you empty your pooper, which is your large intestine, and all your poop comes out, your uterus will contract. Okay. And that's what can often kickstart labor. So castor oil is also... um, it's like, I don't like the term natural induction method because there's no such thing. Like, castor oil is not natural. It, it comes from a tree, but that doesn't mean that you're not interrupting the process of your right. body. But it, it induces labor and it's a laxative. Oh. It's a, it's a so it's, it can be. So um, scar, uh, scar tissue, you can actually massage it away with castor oil. What? So if you have surgical scars, episiotomy scars, um, okay. injury scars. What about acne scars? Yeah, maybe. If there's any scar tissue, um, a combination of castor oil and heat and massage, you can 
make it go away. So you'd have to like cool. do that research and kind of look up or DM me about more information about that. Um, but yeah, it's an anti-inflammatory a moisturizer because it's an oil. Um, it is extremely sticky. Okay. So when you like massage olive oil on your skin, it eventually kind of absorbs. And castor oil is so thick and sticky. It's kind of like corn syrup. Okay. Um, so it's definitely not like a rub it all over your face and then leave for the day, like kind of moisturizer. Um, but it it is so potent and wonderful with releasing scar tissue. So for people with endometriosis that have a lot of adhesions in their body, it's recommended to castor pack. And all that means, yeah. So all that means is you take a cloth or a flannel with castor, soak it in castor oil and then apply a heating pad on top of that. And that's called castor packing. And it helps reduce, um, it supposedly helps reduce adhesions inside your body. Whoa. Yeah. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for educating me because I clearly knew nothing about castor oil. Yeah, castor oil is great. (laughs) So try it or don't. And if you are using it as a laxative or to induce labor, please do that research on your own. And also, it's a very small amount you're taking. It's like teaspoons. It's not a bottle of castor oil. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, do your research. Yeah. Sing Day is written and edited by Brennan Cleary and Michael Riley. Our theme song is by Brett Marquette with Keyboard by Jack Saris. Check out their band 40 Feet Tall on Spotify and follow them on social with at 40 Feet Tall. Our cover art is by Angela Alba. You can follow Sick Day on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and Patreon with the handle at Sick Day Pod. If you're interested in advertising with Sick Day or want to send us your thoughts and questions, email us at sickdaypod at gmail.com. Thanks, and may the spoons be with you.